This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to gather as a family, knowing that when we are together, you are there in our midst. You're the living word. And it's your word that we've come to hear today. And I want to do exactly like Jesus. Only say what the Father's given me to say. And so I submit myself under your mighty hand and that by your grace, I shall speak this word with clarity and accuracy. And as this word goes forth, you'd ignite it with your presence, taking it deep into the heart of every hearer, causing faith to rise and dispelling every form of fear. As minds are renewed to your word, understanding replaces confusion. I believe each and every one of us are transformed from glory to glory. This we give you alone, the praise and honor in the name of Jesus. Family, if you're ready to receive, shout amen. Praise God as you're seated, open your Bible at Hebrews chapter 3. Now, I really was encouraged by what Pastor Andre shared there, that God will crown the year with abundance. Uh, You know, when the Lord spoke to me at the beginning of the year, He spoke of this being a year of great recovery. Many people went through a lot of challenges this year and and the previous years, lost many things. But praise God, God always recovers. God will never allow the enemy to have the last say. Never. Never. Don't ever allow that to get into our thinking. If whatever it is, God will always deliver. If you call on me, I will save you. He says he will always deliver. He sends his word to heal and deliver from your destruction. Isn't that amazing? Deliver from your destruction, not just from any destruction. It could even be destruction you caused yourself. If you turn back to God, he'll deliver you in an instant. Things can take sometimes three, four, five months to mess your life up. You turn back to God, He can deliver you within 24 hours. How you ready for that kind of deliverance? And I really believe we're going to go out this year in excess in Jesus' name. Amen. So don't miss tonight. I will share more about it. But I'm telling you, tonight we're setting up this morning for an outpouring tonight. How are you ready for some bonuses, increases, promotions? Come on. Now, now, I don't expect everyone to put their hand up. God doesn't, you know, he, he watches for who puts their hand up. He'll never force you to prosper. He won't. But if it's what you desire, let me see your hand. Is, is that something you want to be involved in? Amen. Now, we have to be correctly positioned. You can want something, but if you're not accurately positioned, you can miss what God has for you. And it's important that we get the foundation solid. That's what we're going to do this morning. Now, this is a message I shared previously, but I really believe everybody needs to hear it because not everybody was here to hear it because it's such a vital, vital foundation. The enemy is doing everything he can to steal doctrine from the church. He'll try and water it down. Try and, I mean, even sin has been legislated at the moment. We've got to remember we will not allow the enemy to take the first doctrines, the foundations. Come on, how do you say amen? I don't care how popular it becomes to preach otherwise, we're going to stay with the Word of God. Come on, can I get a bigger amen? Verse 1, therefore, holy brethren, now you've got some homework. Go look up therefore and read chapter 1 and 2, and you'll find out what therefore is therefore. Really what the writer's doing is he's saying there's a bunch of people that were backsliding, that can become Christians, they were Jews. Remember, the original Christians were all Jewish. 
They turned to Jesus as the Messiah, but because of the pressure and the persecution of the then Jewish people, those that wanted to stay under the law, and because of that pressure and that influence, some of them were starting to backslide. And so the writer here is now addressing this and saying, now remember who Jesus is. Remember, he's above all the angels. He's the name above every name. God called him his very own son, ordained him. And he gets to this here and he says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Everybody say high priest. Now consider means you need to give it attention. Now if he's the high priest of our confession, before he was came to the earth as Jesus, he is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He entered into the earth as a baby, as a man, and then later on in his ministry, he is teaching the kingdom of God, he enters into the phase of his ministry where he's the Lamb who took upon the sin of the world and paid the price you and I should have paid. He then rose from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father, and now the day is coming that he will return as the Lion. You see how his ministry moves and, 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 and grows and adapts for what's needed. In between lion and lamb is this. He is now the high priest of our confession. That literally is Jesus calling at the moment. The high priest of our confession. Of our what? So evidently he's waiting. God, why haven't you done something? He's waiting on your confession. He can only use our confession. Say that Jesus is waiting for my confession. And so in verse 14 of chapter 4, we see that seeing then we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. So what, if Jesus is the high priest of our confession, we are given a confession to make. The enemy will do everything to silence that confession. And so the writer is saying, yeah, make sure you don't let go of the important thing. Hold fast that confession. So get down to chapter 5, verse 5. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. It was God who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. He also says in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now he's quoting there Psalm 110, verse 4. God established it in his word. With the days of his flesh, verse 7, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. How many of us here have chosen to obey Jesus? Say that Jesus is the author of my salvation. Verse 10, he's called by God as high priest, According to the order of Melchizedek. Now underline that. According to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we've much to say, hard to explain, since you've become dull of hearing. Wow. These were people that were exposed to the truth, but now have become dull of hearing. And he's saying, don't become dull of hearing. See, the enemy can try and silence us through troubles, persecutions, tribulations, whatever he can, so that we stop listening. We go with our experiences and what we're hearing other people say. The pressures of society. But he says, don't become dull of hearing. You see, when the enemy comes to steal a truth, 
How many of you know he has to lie? But if someone knows the truth, he's not going to lie with a lie that you will know is a lie. Because you go, duh, that's a lie. No, he's going to use a subtle truth. Remember when he tempted Jesus? Jesus said, it is written. And he tried something else. He tempted him in another area. Jesus said, it is written. Oh, we're playing that game. It is written. You see, he chose Scripture. He's going to use an element of truth, but distort it. And if we're not aware of that, we will get trapped. Because what will happen is you believe a certain doctrine, the devil will say, what about this Scripture? He'll use someone. Yeah, but that Scripture, that was talking to that person. That Scripture was for that time. That season is over. That was that. Are you with me? Now, the thing is, you understand, if you take any one verse, you could argue that. You could say, yeah, I see what you're saying. But how do you understand there's a difference between information and revelation? The word says in Hebrews that the reason they could not enter into the rest is was because of unbelief, because the word did not profit them because they did not mix it with faith. Everybody say, mix it. Have you ever had cake? Now, you know cake consists of egg, flour, milk, sugar, baking flour, you know, uh, baking soda. So if I ask you, how many of you eat baking soda? No one put their hand up. But I ask you, have you eaten cake? Yeah, so you've eaten baking soda. But no one sits down to baking soda. You can take a spoonful and say, taste this. And you taste it and go, whoa, you see, you shouldn't eat baking soda. No, it's part of the mixing. And so when you look at Scripture, you don't come to a doctrine just based on one idea. That's why even Paul said, what I've learned, I didn't learn from man. Now, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, he's the scholar of scholars. I mean, the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was well-educated, went to all the top schools. And yet he said, I didn't learn what I learned from that. What I learned came by revelation. Everybody say revelation. So you have to take the eggs, the milk, the yeast, the flour, and you're going to mix it, and you come out with the revelation. Every doctrine is proved by two or three witnesses. You have to have multiple scriptures put together. So don't let the enemy distract you by taking one particular scripture and destroying the whole doctrine because that scripture doesn't quite fit. No, it fits in the whole scheme of things. You're getting a hold of this. So notice it says here in verse 10 that Jesus was called by God. Isn't that interesting that even Jesus was called? You see, he is preeminence in all things. He's the first fruit. And if you're going to be called, he has to be the first called. And he's called by God, but notice this, he's called as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. In other words, if you want to know Jesus' job function, Jesus' job description, look at Melchizedek. So that means if we want to know what Jesus is doing today, we need to understand this man Melchizedek. So we're going to do a deep dive study on Melchizedek. Am you ready for that? Well, let's go and find out what the Word says. Go back, go to Genesis chapter 14. Now, Abraham had just got back from a battle where he rescued his nephew Lot and got back all the goods. Have a look at verse 15. He divided his forces against them by night. He and his servants attacked them, pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods. Everybody say, all the goods. And he also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and children and the, and the people. Verse 17, And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheba, that is the king's valley, after his return from the 
defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him. Verse 18, then Melchizedek. Yeah, we begin our study. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Abram gave Melchizedek a tithe of all. That family concludes our study. That is all we know about Melchizedek. Isn't that interesting? That is, that is the only reference we have to Melchizedek, and yet the father, when he spoke about Jesus being called in the order of Melchizedek, when he spoke about him as high priest, giving his job description, he refers to Melchizedek fully knowing our only exposure we have to Melchizedek are these scriptures. So obviously God has said everything he needs to say about Melchizedek in those few verses. So let's have a look at that. Who is this Melchizedek? Well, first of all, we notice that he's the king of Salem. Everybody say king of Salem. You'll find out now, now we refer to it, that means peace. He's the king of peace. Anybody know who the king of peace is? That would be Jesus. Notice he brings out bread and wine. That's a covenant meal. Everybody say covenant. They sit down to covenant. And having made covenant, he then blesses Abraham. Everyone say blessed. Now, the blessing is a word that, when it's spoken, activates what's already in you. See, when God calls you, He's already deposited in you what needs to be there. Then the blessing is spoken, which ignites it to life. See, when He created man in His image to have full dominion, God blessed them and said. And the moment He spoke it, it activated so now the blessing is imparted. And then number four, he gave Melchizedek a tithe of all. Now that's where the challenge is. Because if Jesus is called according to that order, the king of peace, covenant, the blessing, and receiving a tithe, you know that today the enemy is doing everything he can to talk us out of the concept of the tithe. Uh, Christians shouldn't tithe, or tithing's under the law, tithing's in the, in the Old Testament. But according to this, Jesus is called according to that order. And this is long before the law. The word tithe is not a religious word. Someone says, I don't believe in tithing. Hang on. Before we go any further, what does the word tithe mean? Now, the, it comes the, the Hebrew word for our students. You might want to write this down as Strong's number 46. Four, three, four, six, four, three. It's the word ma'aser. Everybody say ma'aser. Now ma'aser literally means 10%. It's an arithmetic term. It's not a religious term. It's 10%. So if I said the number is 1,000, what would be the ma'aser? 100. You're quick in this church. How did you work that out without a calculator? No, it's quite easy. You chop the right figure off. Isn't that right? Just take the right-hand digit away. So let's try something more complicated then. 6,450. What's the tithe of that? See? You just take the back zero off. So let's say a million. What's the tithe of a million? 100,000. And someone says, yeah, but that's a lot. That's big. No, it's still 10%. It's not like the bigger it gets, we start to diminish it. 
it's still 10%. So when someone says, I don't believe in tithing, in Hebrew they're saying, I don't believe in 10%ing. So that sentence doesn't even make sense. What percent do you believe in? Are you going for smaller? Five, three, two? Because that sounds stingy. But what about if I give my whole salary? I ta 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 Are you with me? But the point with the ma'aser is the first concept. The first 10% is something very interesting when you talk about God and the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus is the first fruit. Everybody say first. There's power behind the first. So if we say, but what about the law then? Because sometimes we say that was under the law. Well, Paul answers that in Galatians 3 verse 17. He says, this I say, the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant. Everybody say covenant. The covenant was confirmed before by God in Christ that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it's no longer a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Family, understand we're talking about a covenant principle here, not a law principle. And someone says, well, what was the whole reason behind the law then? Well, Paul knew you were going to ask that question. So verse 19, he says, what purpose does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions until the seed. Who's that? Jesus comes to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Look at verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under God by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. See, Pastor Alan, we're not under the law anymore. Hang on there, tiger. This, this, what, what is a tutor? It's, it's a teacher, a coach. Uh, how many of you ever been to a doctor? Now, you know a doctor doesn't wake up one morning and decide to be a doctor. Isn't that right? If, if I was going for anything like heart surgery or brain surgery, you do your research. You want to find out who's the best doctor in the country. If there's no one in the country, I'll go to another country. You want to find the man who's on top of the list. Isn't that right? That, that's intense surgery. You want to find someone who's educated, been to the best school. He's qualified. Now, the day he arrived in school, he wasn't ready. But he had a tutor who was another doctor. And the doctor, the tutor, would teach him, say, now you watch me. And he would watch multiple operations. And then he'd say, now you try it on a, on a, on a cadaver. And then he would do his cutting, whatever. And when the doctor says, okay, you're managing, okay. Then the tutor would say, the doctor, he would say, now you maybe start by opening the chest. So he does one incision. I'll do the rest. And then he does the rest. And slowly but slowly, he gives him more and more and more until eventually he's doing the whole operation. And when he's doing the whole operation, the tutor will still watch him for a few times until eventually he passes and says, okay, you qualify. And he gets his paper that says you no longer have to operate under a tutor. But when it's my turn to be operated on, I want my, tut my, my, my doctor to do what he was tutored to do. 
He didn't say, well, I'm no longer under tutor. Now I can do things differently. I'd rather use an axe. You get into the chest much quicker. You know, <laughs> no, you, 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 you have to still follow the tutor. Even though the tutor's not watching you, you still follow him. You see, when under the, before Jesus came, men were not saved. They didn't understand love. They didn't understand honoring God. Yet God still wanted to bless them. He still wanted to look after them, protect them. He had to keep them literally by putting them on train tracks to get them to when Jesus would manifest. But once Jesus comes into the earth and you are born again, the Holy Spirit moves into your heart. Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. And in fulfilling the law, places the Holy Spirit in you. Now I am driven by love and a desire. So you don't have to tell me anymore, thou shalt not commit adultery. Excuse me, I've got the best wife God could possibly have given me. I don't want any other woman. You, you don't steal. Why should I want to steal? I sow seed and I make much more than I could ever steal. Oh, come on. Josh, don't have any other gods before me. Why would I serve any other god? You, you're getting this. So the law hasn't changed. You still don't commit adultery. You still don't steal. You still don't. Are you with me? But now it's not done because the law says so. Now I'm doing it out of compassion, out of my heart of love. So why are we trying to talk ourselves out of a principle that God established? And you'll see it's revealed here in the law. If you have a look at Leviticus 27 verse 30, it says, All, how much? All the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land, the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy. It's sacred. It's not just a law thing. It, God considers it sacred. Now notice it says, all the tithe of the land. Family of God, we're not just talking about once you're a believer, now you tithe. Before I was saved, I still owed the tithe. From the day I was born. This has been a principle in the kingdom from the garden of Eden. You go back into the garden, remember God created the whole thing, gave Adam everything. He said, every tree eat freely. And the tree of life was there. That means he could eat from the tree of life. He'd still be alive today if he didn't mess up. But there's this one tree. Everybody say, one tree. And God says, don't eat that. It's the knowledge of good and evil. For the day you eat it, you will die. Now, you know what happened. He ate it. And what happened? He died. And not only did Adam die, the whole of the universe was destroyed and thrown into the curse. Now, that is one dangerous tree. Come on, how many of you have children? Would you go buy a handgun and load it full of ammunition, cock the thing, put a chamber in the round, uh, around in the chamber, and leave it on off safety on the coffee table and tell your toddler, now, see that gun? The day you pick it up, pull the trigger, you'll die. Don't touch it. Don't use it. And you walk out the room. How many of you know, toddlers, the one thing you say don't is, that's the only thing that's got their attention. Isn't that right? We would call that child abuse. So you have to ask yourself, if that tree is so dangerous, it destroyed the whole kingdom. I mean, the curse, everything in mankind have been struggling for centuries. That is one dangerous tree. 
Why would you put it on the earth? This, this, this child in a man's body is only a few days old. And you tell him, don't eat from that tree. If it's so dangerous, why don't you keep the thing in heaven? Put it by on a huge supernatural safe with big dangerous angels that no one can ever get through. And we'd all be okay. No, family, you've got to understand something about covenant. Obedience is never revealed until you offered an opportunity, an alternative. Let me say it again. Obedience is never tested until the alternative manifests. Submission is not submission until you disagree. Pastor Alan, I submit to you. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm in submission. Okay, let's find the day you need to be corrected. What happens when we disagree one day? That's when true submission is revealed. And God said, as long as you honor me, I come first. They could have gone to him for the knowledge of good and evil. He would have told them. Whatever you need to know, God will reveal it. But he is the source. They chose to change sources. And in changing sources, the curse kicked in. When you bring the tithe to God, and Adam honored that tree. Notice when Noah, as he comes off the ark, the first thing he does is sacrifice. What? An animal. But hey, that's the last animals on the planet. Every other animal's dead. He's only got those animals left. And he kills them, Nochal. What are you doing? He says, no, if I honor God first, he will make sure the rest prosper and succeed. See, it's about a covenant. God, I come to you before I go to any other source. That's what you're saying with the tithe. You're bringing it and laying it at his feet. The Hebrews chapter 7 well, let's just, before we get there, Genesis chapter 28, somebody says, isn't the tithe seed and fruit and flocks? That's what it mentions. Yeah, see, now that's baking soda. Uh, yeah, the tithe was seed only and animals only. Well, Genesis 28, remember Abraham raised Isaac, Isaac raised Jacob. Verse 20, Jacob made a vow saying, if God is with me, and keep me in this way I'm going. Give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace. The Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I've set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Everybody say all. See, Abraham, he tithed out of the spoils of war, which included treasures. Yeah, Jacob says, anything you give me, I'll tithe. Family, it's the same word used for Abram and for the Levites. Are you with me? It's the concept that everything belongs to God. In fact, the wording that he uses here, I will surely give a tithe. The word tithe here is the word asar. The word surely is also the word asar. It's a Hebrew technique used when you want to emphasize something. Like if I said I love you, I think you understand what I mean. But if I'm talking about my wife, you know, that's a different love. So what I would say in Hebrew is, I love you, but I love, love my wife. See, it's a Hebrew technique. Now you know there's a difference. And he says, Lord, if you bless me, look after me, and I come back to this place in peace, I will asar, asar. I'm going to tithe, tithe. 
He wants God to know this is a commitment. It's not just a religious action. Everybody say, tithe, tithe. Am you ready to tithe, tithe? It's a commitment. It's a covenant commitment. Amen. So let's go back to Hebrews 7. This Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom Abraham gave a tenth. There's the word decate in the Greek, 1181. Dec, decathlon, ten events. The decimal system. Decimal talks of ten. And he gave a tenth part of all, being translated king of righteousness. Who's that? Jesus. Also king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Now, consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. Indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi received the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from the brethren, though they've come from the loins of Abraham. Notice, yeah, this writer is people say the tithe of Abraham was different to the tithe of the law. Yeah, he's saying it's the same thing. Why? Yeah, you'll see why. Verse 6, he whose genealogy is not derived from them, received tithes from Abraham, blessed him who had the promises. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Yeah, mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it's witnessed that he lives. Even Levi, who receives tithes, Pay tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he's still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. What's he saying? On the earth, man has to receive the tithe. When you give to God, you understand it still goes through a man. It's not like you take a whole bunch of money and say, okay, I'm ready to give to God. I'll throw it up. And whatever he wants to keep, he can keep. And what comes back must be mine. <laughs> it's not going to happen. If you give, you're going to still give it through a man. But notice he says, when the priest receives the tithe from you, he takes it from your hand into his hand, in the mind of God, that priest was in the loins of Abraham when he presented the tithe to Melchizedek. See, something about God, he's outside of time, and he puts events together. And you know, the Bible says that Abraham was accounted righteous. How could he be? Jesus hadn't been crucified yet. No, he was crucified before the foundation of the world. So in God's mind, Jesus is already crucified. It just has to play out. So I can hand out righteousness. The woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of Jesus. She's healed. But by his stripes, you've been healed. Yes, same event. He was already crucified. Are you getting this? So what happens is as you present your tithe to a man, in God's mind, it is Abraham laying the tithe down at the feet of Melchizedek, same event, same moment, before the law. When you understand that, you are tithing before the law in covenant response. And he doesn't tithe to get the blessing. He's already been blessed. He's tithing because he's blessed. Oh, Jesus. So now he's laying at the, at the feet of Melchizedek. And here, Hebrews is identifying this is actually Jesus. Uh, in the Passion Translation, it says, although Jesus, although Jewish priests received tithes, they all died, they were mortal, but Melchizedek lives on. Family, when you bring your tithe, you may lay it in the hand of a pastor, but in God's mind, you've laid it at the feet of Jesus. 
Oh, come on, give him praise if you can get a hold of that. Does that help answer it for you? That puts it in perspective. Now you can look at Malachi 3. And someone says, yeah, but Malachi 3 was written to the priest. Man, you see, now we're back at flower. You've got to mix it in with everything else that I've said. It all works together. Same principle of covenant. Malachi 3 verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You cursed with a curse. For you've robbed me, even the whole nation. Now notice it doesn't say God cursed them. That's a, that's a bad doctrine. If you don't tithe, God will curse you. No, 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 no. Why would he use what Jesus bore on the cross? You're already blessed. Say, I'm already blessed. But then why is it not working? Well, the person that came in here the first time today, the place was dark. They didn't phone ESCOM and say, are you load shedding at the moment? Could you please send power? No, sir, the system's working. Well, I don't see any lights. Well, did you put the switch on? Why are you in the dark? Because you didn't put the switch on. He says, why are you cursed? Because you didn't bring the tithes. Are you getting hold of this? In other words, you're already blessed, but you've stepped out of covenant principle. Verse 10, bring how much? All the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you such blessing that there's not room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed for you shall be a delightful land says the Lord of hosts. He's not just talking to priests, he's talking to whoever dwells in the land. Say, that's me. Notice, there's a few things here I want you to pick up on. Number one, God says, prove me. Now, you know, out of the mouth of Jesus, he told the devil, you do not test God. When God gives an instruction, your answer is, yes, sir. I'll obey. Yes, the one place God says, test me. Why would he do that? Because this is one area, if the enemy can trap you here, then he can make sure it doesn't matter how much you think you're blessed, as long as the switch is off, you'll never see the blessing going to work. So he'll challenge this first before anything else. God says, you get this right, and I will personally get involved, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. You know the devil is the Christian's responsibility. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Isn't that right? Didn't James say, would you submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee? That's our responsibility. You're going to God, why are you not doing it? You've got to do something about it. And here's the one place he says, if you bring the tithe and honor me first, watch out. I'm going to step in and I'll deal with him myself. And he calls himself there the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts in the Hebrew means the commander of the army. God is saying, I'm going to commit my military force. If you bring the tithe, check out what I'm going to do. I'm going to get personally involved and make sure my military protects your household, protects your business, protects your financial downline, protects your income. I'll look after you. Why? Because I found a covenant man, a covenant woman that would believe me. And if you honor me with the covenant, I will personally look after you. And everyone that looks at you is going to say you bless. Come on, give Jesus praise if you got a hold of that. 
How many of you are ready to live that kind of life? Family, make a decision today. No matter what people have said and tried to steal from us, someone says, well, you know, uh, do you know, is the whole point of 10%? Paul spoke about giving generously. Yeah, the tutor says start at 10. So you start at 10. If you want to tithe, tithe 20%. You can do that. But the first is to honor God. You make that decision. Family, I look back on my life. When we first got saved, we were in so much debt, I couldn't even pay attention. And my wife got healed. You know, I've been here long enough, the testimony there. The first Sunday, I decided to go to church on purpose. Apostle Theo teaches a message on tithing. I'm sitting in my chair. That's, a, that's like it. I'm first time in church. He wants my money. I know you've never thought of that. I, just the way, I, you know, I, that's me. I'm telling on me. So, of course, I said, well, you show me. I, I want to see it. And, of course, you know how he teaches. I learned from him, line upon line. Taught it, taught it. Halfway through that, Janine and I said, I looked at her, I said, we start today. I'm not even waiting next week. I went home that day, worked out what the tithe was. <laughs> okay. And my mind is now, because that's car payment, that's a lot. Of, you know, you with me? But I made a decision. That Sunday night, we brought that tithe in. We've never looked back. Whatever God's blessed us, we've always tithed. And you look at our lives today. We are totally debt-free, except our house. Believe that's done as well in Jesus' name. But other than that, we got no debt whatsoever. And God has blessed us abundantly. Give Him praise. Give Him praise. Amen. Make a decision today. This is your day. Will you make a confession with me today? Let's make this confession together. Now I know some of us are tithing. I'm still going to ask you to make the confession so we don't embarrass someone who hasn't been. But say this with me. Father, today, I submit to you. I receive your living word. And I receive it as truth. And yes, I have eaten your tithe. But from today, I repent. I lay it aside. And I know you've blessed me. From this day on, I choose to bring all that you give me. I will surely... Bring a tithe and honor you. And I know as I do this, the windows of heaven are open. And I am blessed. I'm blessed beyond measure. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God, family. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Fulmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.